All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we're going to read one verse today, verse number 15. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 15. I said one verse, I think we might read two here, but verse 15 says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And then he says that you submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. And I want to pay close attention to the last part of verse number 15. In speaking about the house of Stephanus, it says that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. So I'm going to preach a message to you this morning called Hooked on the Gospel. Hooked on the gospel. If you would, let's bow our heads together. Let's ask God to help us. Father, please, Lord, as we turn our attention to your word and to what you want us to know, we, we must, we need to hear from you. Please, God, speak to our hearts. Move amongst us. Lord, if there's someone here today that isn't saved, might this be the day that they meet you personally. And Father, those that are saved, might this be the day that they get excited and passionate and addicted to preaching the gospel. Father, please fill me now with your spirit. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, in verse number 15, it talks about being addicted to the ministry of the saints. Now, in one sense, you might look at that and think the ministry of the saints is when you help other saved people, other saints. And certainly, that is something you need to do. That is a New Testament concept. But I believe when we read ministry of the saints, this is the ministry that Jesus has given to the saints to be busy with. And that ministry we read about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse number 18, 19, 20. And there Paul talks about the ministry of reconciliation, how that God has called you and I as new creatures in Christ. We are to be ambassadors and we are to go to the lost and beseech them, beg them in Christ's stead and say, please be reconciled to God. Now, the way that we do that is by explaining the gospel to them. And that is we tell these sinners that Jesus died in their place to pay for their sins. And that no matter how hard they work, no matter how honest their efforts, no matter what they do, their good works will never be enough to save themselves. They must accept Jesus Christ in order to be saved and to have eternal life, which is why we call it born again, right? You receive life. So we explain to sinners why Jesus died and how they can be saved, and I believe that is the ministry of the saints. That's what we're to be busy with. This gospel message that Christ died for our sins, was buried, and on the third day rose again. There is no other message in all the world so powerful as that message. Now, Paul acknowledged that in Romans 1. I bet you know the verse. He says in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Are you? Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. When you think about this message, when God created the world... He knew, right, giving humanity free will, it comes, it comes with a, a downside. The downside to free will is somebody might use it to choose something wrong. 
So God had it built into the plan. In order to have a real relationship with us, we have to have free will. He has to give us the right to choose between him or something else, between right and wrong. And he knew that we would choose the wrong, or at least it was a real possibility. So God had a plan, and the Bible says before the foundation of the world, in Revelation 13 and 8, it says the lamb was slain from the foundation. So God had it in his mind that if Adam and Eve, if humanity chooses the wrong and sins, I will devise a plan to bring them back to myself, and that plan is the gospel that Jesus dies in our place and rises again and now we can have life through him. This is the oldest plan, the oldest story in the book. Literally the oldest one because it stretches back before time ever started. I know personally how thrilling this message can be. I don't know about you, I remember clearly the first time the gospel came to me and I understood it and I put my faith in Christ, my world was turned upside down to find out that all of my sins could be washed away, that I could be reconciled to my Creator, that I could hear from God on a daily basis, that I could walk with Him and talk with Him, and I could have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, bearing witness on a daily basis, that He would guide me every step of the way. I had found purpose. I'd found the meaning of life. I had found ultimate love. It could get no better. And to this day, I say amen. That's true. It can get no better. It can get no better. I think Stephanus figured that out. The house of Stephanus, not just Stephanus himself, but his entire family. From what we read here, they were the first fruits of Achaia. They were the first people in the, Corinth, in the Corinth area to get saved. And man, they got so excited about being saved, they said, now we got to go tell someone else how to get saved. He found out exactly what I found out and what many of you have found out. There's only one thing better than being saved, and that is helping someone else get saved. If you want to get in on all the action, if you want to... I don't want to say revitalize, but just vitalize, energize, motivate your spiritual life. You go from being one that receives the gospel to one that gives the gospel out. You know that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, right? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Well, the Bible says that you're supposed to renew yourself daily, yes? How did you become a new creature in Christ? You received the gospel. So every day I want to be busy with the gospel. I don't need to get saved every day, but I can be a newer version of new. I can refresh myself daily by, by remembering that Jesus has saved me and now I want to help someone else get saved. I wonder how many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chained I've helped to free? I wonder... Have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? Stephanus got it right. He said, this gospel thing is so great, I can't keep it to myself. And he, it says he addicted himself. They addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. 
I have found that passage to be incredibly powerful. I found it to be true in my life. I'm addicted to it. So why do you always preach on the gospel? Why do you always want to evangelize? Why do you want to call people to Christ? Oh, brother, it's so good. How can I not? How can I not? That would be like visiting South Africa and not having a South African say, here, try this biltong. It's so good. You've got to share that with somebody. Don't hide that from the world. Receiving the gospel is one thing. But I have noticed there is a massive difference between those that have received the gospel and been saved. They are saved, born of God. But then there's a difference between that person and the one who takes it up a notch and says, I'm going to get involved with taking the gospel to someone else. There's just a difference of caliber in that Christian. It ratches your spiritual life to a whole other level. I've taught you guys this in discipleship. You might remember when we go through the lesson on how to witness, I tell you that there are several spiritual benefits. It will improve your personal life. Now, that's not why we do it, but it is a happy consequence of being involved in the ministry of the gospel, taking it to someone else. In Hebrews chapter 5, we read there where it says, For the, when the time ye ought to be teachers, you have, one that need, uh, you have need that one teach you again. Do you see the different levels within the spiritual life? We can have some people that are born again, and, and they, that means they've received the gospel, but they're not teaching others yet. It's the separation of milk and meat. They're not growing like they should in the Lord. One of the greatest evidences of spiritual growth is when you go from being the one taking in the food to the one giving out the food. The Bible says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Every, we, we don't expect babies to feed themselves, but we do expect people, after they have been saved and they have matured, we expect them to be feeding others. I want to help some of you today, a lot of you today, if you have yet to take that step in your Christian life from milk to meat. If you've not gone from the one being taught to the one doing the teaching, if you've not gone from being the one that received the gospel to the one that gives it out, you need to take that next step and get involved, get addicted to the ministry that God has ordained for all people, not just the pastor, not just the missionary. Every new creature in Christ has been given the ministry of reconciliation. Did you know the first time that we read about the apostles meeting Jesus? Now, this is before they were even called apostles. It's recorded in John chapter 1. There were some of those men that were following John the Baptist. And then Jesus is coming by. John the Baptist said to these guys, Behold the Lamb. And that was their introduction to the Lamb of God, the Messiah. And as soon as Andrew met Jesus... The Bible says he ran and found his brother, Peter, and said, we found the Messiah. Right away, we go from somebody who finds to someone who's introducing. Peter comes. Jesus says, by interpretation, your name's going to be this and that. And, and he has a conversation. And the next time we see Jesus interacting with those men, now that was the introduction. 
The next time we see an interaction is in Matthew 4. Jesus passes by there in Galilee and he says to those men, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Do, do you see what happens? First, you need to be introduced to the Savior. Second, when you become a follower, now you go out trying to introduce others to the Savior. Do you see the progression? Friend, where are you at in that? Are you in John 1 making introductions? Or are you in Matthew 4 following along, becoming a fisher of men. Can I ask you to, you can hold this if you'd like. We've seen what we need to see, but I'm going to ask you to come to Proverbs chapter 11. I'd like for you to see this verse, if you don't mind, please. Proverbs chapter 11. Folks, I, I understand, I fully appreciate that there are other parts to the Christian life. I do not mean to pretend that the only thing you ever need to do as a Christian is go out witnessing and tell others about Christ. I understand that. I know that there's more to being saved. I get that. But I also believe that you cannot leave this part of the Christian life out and expect to have everything that Jesus wants you to have in this walk with him. It, it simply must be a part of it if you are to fulfill all the will of God for a Christian. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30. Watch, watch this verse. The fruit of the righteous. Proverbs 11 and 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. Now you might think that I'm drawing your attention to the last part of the verse. But I'm actually not. He that winneth souls is wise. Now that's a very true statement. That's right in line with what we're talking about this morning. But look at the first part of the verse. The fruit of the righteous is a what? The fruit is a tree. The fruit is a tree. What, how can that be? Fruit's just fruit. It's not yet a tree. The fruit of the righteous is a tree. Because within that fruit, there is a seed and the way God has set it up, every fruit has the potential to become a tree because the seed within itself will bring forth fruit after its kind. There is a process involved where the seed taken from the fruit falls into the ground and dies, John 12, verse 24, and starts to bring forth more fruit. And that seed will eventually grow into a tree that produces all sorts of fruit. The fruit of the righteous is a tree that produces Life And it's in the same verse with winning souls. Some of you are seedless grapes. <laughs> You're not producing any trees. There's nothing falling into the ground and dying. You're not denying yourself and crucifying the flesh so that you'll tell others about the Lord. You've already determined in your heart and mind, listen, Brother Mike, this is just not how I'm built. I'll do lots of other things in the church and in the Christian life, but please do not ask me to share my faith with anyone. You are cheating yourself of a massive amount of spiritual growth. The fruit, the convert, must become a tree. He must produce other converts. I am not suggesting today that we all use the same methods. Please understand that. Not everybody's going to be on the street handing out tracts. Not everybody's going to walk the campus this year and stop individuals and have conversations. Not everybody's built for that. Some of you are so incredibly awkward, we would send the gospel backwards if you tried. <laughs> Amen, you would. 
we love you, but, but you're weird. <laughs> you know, some people are, are really good at this. They have a knack for it. They can invite people to come to church, and they just have a knack for getting people to visit the church with them. Some of you, you're, you're awesome at taking CDs and, and handing them to friends, and, and you know what's going on in their life. Listen to this, and, and in that way, you get the gospel. There are so many ways that you can share the gospel with the people around you. What I'm trying to get through to you today is that deep-seated desire, that burden for lost souls, that concern for those around you. Now that I have it, I want to share it. Now, in 1 Corinthians 16, where we started, we see this phrase, they have, they have addicted themselves. If you've ever had a loved one that has fallen prey to addiction drugs or alcohol, you know how painful that is to watch someone go through that. Those drugs completely alter that person, isn't that right? Changes everything about them. They become a completely different being. Their behavior changes. Their spending habits change. Their happiness now depends on that substance. Their reason, reason for living their culture, the, the people around them, everyone can see them changing. They change their friends, who they hang out with. Everything in their life gets turned upside down. Would you agree with that? When someone gets hooked on drugs and addicted to it, man, it's scary. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And it's not easy to kick. Not easy to stop. You often need a lot of help. A lot of help. You know how it often starts? Some friend, some friend that you're spending time with makes it sound as if it's not going to be as bad as it really is. Gets you to try it, making you think you're just going to have a fun time, good time, not telling you all the consequences of it. A lot of the times that, that's where it starts. But you know there's another way it starts. There, there's the drug dealer, the pusher. And he often starts by giving you a freebie. And once he gives you enough to get you hooked, he doesn't care if you're completely destroyed, if you're completely changed and lose everything. All he wants is your money because the love of money is the root of all evil. Now that's how it often starts. Somebody else introduces that substance and then you try it and you get addicted to it. I think there is some similarity. Someone introduces the gospel to you. Someone takes you out witnessing. Someone gives you a testimony of how they got to lead somebody to Christ, right? You hear about that. But I want you to go a little deeper. Look at verse 15. They've addicted themselves. They did this to themselves. They heard the gospel. They got saved. They developed a relationship with Christ. And they said, now, this is so exciting. This feels so good. Who can we share it with? And we are going to take it upon ourselves to do whatever we have to do so that we never stop doing this. Can I, can I tell you how Paul put it in another place? He said, I have become all things to all men so that by all means I might save some. He said, I'll do anything for this. He rearranged his entire life. His spending habits changed. His travel habits changed. Paul's friends changed. Everything changed. Everything changed. And he said, I, I, 
unlike drugs or any sort of substance like that. He said, this is a good thing that's just making my Christian life better. I don't want it to stop. I want to be addicted to this. I am hooked on this, and I can't stop, and I'm not ashamed of it. I don't need to hide it from anyone. I can remember clearly as I got, as I got saved and got introduced to these things in the Bible, when I first started trying to witness to others, Man, I found where all the action was at. I'm sure at some point in your life, if you grew up in church, at some point in your life, you thought church is boring. Right? The Christian life is boring. What's the point? We show up, we sing some songs like this. And then the duomeni pratsua. And then chanariestu, and that's it. And you're wondering to yourself, this is it? Really? This is, this is all we do? You, you, you didn't see the full picture of Christianity. Biblical Christianity is trying to reach others with the gospel. That's part of it. That's a big part of the picture. You're missing out on all the action. Why some of you shut me off 15 minutes ago? Because you've already determined in your heart you're not going to do this. You're missing out. You're cheating yourself. First time I ever led somebody to Christ, it was my boss. My boss was, his name was John Tabron. Black fellow, we played basketball together. We hung out together. We were real good friends before I got saved. We did all sorts of bad stuff together. I got saved and then I started telling John how he could be saved and it took me about three months of sharing various verses with him and explaining things to him and John was a wicked, wicked man. And I left with him a large gospel booklet my pastor Dr. Ruckman had drawn he was an artist he drew this booklet and 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 explained all the things about prophecy and the rapture and the second coming and I gave that to John and about a week after I'd given it to John we're sitting there we were, he, he, his desk was just a, a few meters from mine he called me over to his desk and he said flick take a knee now that's a basketball term I don't know you probably do that in rugby and other sports, but he said, flick, take a knee. So I, th- this is just a normal sports thing. I got down next to his chair, and uh, he says, I, I want to tell you about that booklet. I said, all right. He said, I went to the barber yesterday to get my hair, my head shaved, because he, he kept it bald. He said, while I was waiting, I got to page 19 in that book. Now, guys, I had been three months witnessing to this guy, And I've been praying every day, oh God, please save John Tabron. Save this wicked man. Oh God, please. And he said, I got to page 19. I knew what was on page 19. That's the page that tells you how to get saved. Man, I could feel, you know how the butterflies in your stomach feel? They went nuts. Man, I was so excited. Here comes. He said, I got to page 19. And I bowed my head right there while I was sitting in the, in the chair. I bowed my head and gave my heart to Christ. And he reached down, he shook my hand, he said, I just want to thank you for telling me about this. This feels great. I, I didn't know what to do. It was my first time never experienced. I, uh, do I shout? Do I, do I say amen? Uh, do I sing a song? What, uh, should I take up an offering? What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I was so excited. I ran back to my desk. I sat down and, I, and I, I turned to the lady next to me. She was also saved. I said, Jillian, Jillian, you'll never believe it. John got saved. She said, what? 
I said, John, God saved. She said, he's a wicked man. I don't think so. I said, no, no, no. He got saved last night. And I gave her the whole story. She said, that is truly amazing. Years later, John sent me a message on Facebook. He said, thank you for sharing the gospel with me all those years ago. As a result of that, he quit the wicked lifestyle. He started going to church twice every Sunday, Wednesday night, got married, three kids, deacon in the church. Boy, I was so excited. Now that was the first convert ever. The first time that I ever went out on the streets and actually saw somebody get saved. I'll never forget the circumstance, but God help me, I think I forgot the man's name. It might have been Matt. I didn't think to write it down. I was too excited. But there was a high school right across the street from where we lived. And I went out all by myself, right after school let out, and was handing out gospel tracts in the car park of the high school. And this young man, let's call him Matt, I think that was his name, he came out, he'd just come from swim practice. So he walks out in his Speedos. That's it. It was hot. <laughs> and awkward. I said, sir, can I give you a gospel track? And on the gospel track, it said, if you died today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? I said, how would you answer that? He said, I'm not sure. Can I tell you how to be sure? He said, I'd like that. We went through the gospel track. Now, here's just an 18-year-old kid. Just, oh, yeah, okay, okay, I'm listening. And he's interested. I'm on the other side. I, I'm, I'm so nervous because first time all by myself to do this. All the other times I'd watched my pastor do it. Now I'm all by myself. And I got to the end of the gospel presentation and I said, do you see here the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said, Matt, would, would you like to ask Jesus to save you? He said, yeah. Said, really? <laughs> he said, yes. I said, awesome. Great. That's great. What do we do? <laughs> I said, all right, well, let's pray together. And he prayed and he got saved. He shook my hand. He was so happy about it. But not as happy as me. Not as happy as me. Man, I don't even think my feet hit the ground once going back home. I just floating back to the house. Wow, was that exciting. And I was hooked. I was hooked. It changed everything about me. Did you know that's why I started studying the Bible as much as I did? That drove me to my knees in prayer so many nights. I wanted to draw so close to God because I wanted others. I wanted to be able to help others to get closer to God. And the closer I get to God, the more I might be able to be used of God as a vessel to reach them. You see, my motivation is not just me. It's not about me. It's about others. It's about reaching someone else, sharing with them this tremendous love that God has put within us. How can I keep that to myself? I'm hooked. And I'm glad to tell you it hasn't gotten old. Every single time somebody gets saved, it is just as thrilling. It is just as exciting because I'm seeing what started in me 22 and a half years ago. I'm watching it start in them. Oh, man, that gets me going. You recently heard in this church a tremendous testimony. You'll hear it again soon, by the way. It was so good, I've already planned to have him give it again. Young man who was an atheist on campus, one of the 
young ladies in our church led this young man to Christ. The life has just changed. Oh my goodness, to see the glow of God on that young man. He told his story. I, I cannot play for you the WhatsApp message that this young lady sent me. It's, it's over seven minutes long. <laughs> so last night I transcribed part of the message. I want you to hear just a little snippet of what she said only moments after this young man got saved. Please understand, I cannot replicate the bubbliness of a young girl's voice. <laughs> I'm not even going to try, right? That would just be wrong if I did. <laughs> so I get the voice note, and in the beginning, I don't know how long this voice note is going to be. Today has been officially the best day of my life. I can't explain it. It's just, wow. Excellently put. <laughs> I just led someone to Christ, and that is the most joy I have ever experienced. I can't explain it, but I know you know what it feels like. I'm telling you a thousand angels are rejoicing in heaven right now. She explained to me how the story went down and how this young man had given his heart to Christ. And in the process, she's, she was telling me how he had called for her to come up to the campus so that they could sit together and pray and chat. And she said, when he told me that, that he wanted to, to chat, when he told me that, I was like, he's mine, he's mine. Because there were some other people that had been inviting him to church and some other things. And, and she said, no, 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 he's mine. Hands off. That, you know you're addicted, right? Like, no, 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 that's mine, right? That's how you know you're addicted to chocolate and those things. Like somebody else eats the chocolate and you want to bite their head off. No, 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 it's mine. Like, no, no, that's my convert. Get away. He's mine, he's mine. I'm going to be there when this guy gets saved because I've never, I've never experienced this before. This is a first for me. So she said that right after that, she climbed in her car she ran across the campus in her flip-flops, <laughs> in her plucky, running across. She read him some verses and explained a few things, and he asked the Lord to save him. And she said towards the end of the message, I had so much joy, Pastor Mike, I needed to share it with you because it's my first time ever that this has happened, and wow, yeah, I just wanted to share it with you. <laughs> That's excitement. This has been something that I've been wanting to experience since I joined the church. I, I, I'm glad to tell you, I think she's addicted. I think she's hooked to, to the gospel. She's hooked on it. Once you get a taste of that, right? The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So now I'm asking you to taste something else. Taste and see how it feels to help someone else taste and see. Man. That's exciting. I want to kick it up one more notch. I want to tell you how deep this joy goes. Whew, goes even deeper. I got to Malawi years ago, and the first man that I trained, you've met him, Ashbad Muntali. Pastor Ashbad, wow. 
I took him out with me. He was my shadow for about two months. And I, he watched me witness to others. And then he got a hold of it. And he started witnessing to others. My goodness. That man got addicted like twice. Yo. Everywhere we went, that's all he could do is tell other people about Christ. We get into a minibus. Every minibus I've ever shared with that man, everybody in the bus hears the gospel. Everyone. Because he, he gets in, he hands out tracts, he, he tells the other passengers, yeah, yeah, give this to him, give it to him. He gets them to pass the tracks out. Yeah, driver, driver, yeah, you, you, take it. Even the driver, he says, ah, turn the radio down. It's time to preach. And then Ashbed, he'll preach to the whole bus. Yes, I just want to tell you before we stop, yeah, you might die. This is a minibus. <laughs> <laughs> If you die, where are you going? Where are you? <laughs> it's outstanding. You'd be shocked how many letters I got in Malawi saying I got saved in a minibus on the way to. Whenever Ashbed and I would go out to a village to preach, he would often say, uh, Pastor, stop the car, stop the car, Okay. And you, you need a break, you buy some water, some cool drink, what? Ah, no, there's people. There's people. Yeah, we must preach. So we'd get right out there and just, he'd, he'd stand right on the side of the road and there's people in a market and he'd say, ah, the Bible says you all must be born again. And just preach. Outstanding. The man's just hooked on it. He, he went, the, the minibus taxi depot in, in the long way, the capital city, is on a street called Devil Street. Properly, aptly named. Very dangerous part of town. Did you know why? It's dangerous there, yeah? Ashbed had to get a bus at about five in the morning and he knew the thieves are active at five in the morning because it's still a bit dark. So instead of putting any money in his pockets, he filled his pockets with gospel tracts. <laughs> he put his money in his sock under his shoe. And he stood there like this at the, at, the, at the depot, wanting to be robbed. And the thieves came. One grabbed him so he couldn't move his arms. Ashbed just... <laughs> and and they, the thieves grabbed the tracks out of his pockets because, you know, bulging pockets, they think it's rolls of cash. They grab the tracks out and they start to run away. And Ashbed... <laughs> he turns around and they're several meters away and they go, I gospel fan. <laughs> When you can get thieves to pass out gospel tracts for you, man, you got it figured out. You have addicted yourself to the ministry. You know what's so wonderful? I got to help him learn how to do that. And I have seen him become ten times the soul winner that I will ever be. When I got saved, that was so wonderful. I'll never forget that day. Jesus has just gotten sweeter every day. When I got to lead people to Christ and still do get to lead people to Christ, how refreshing, how wonderful, how joyful. I know of no greater experience within the Christian life. But then when I get to see my fruit become a tree that starts to bear more fruit 
I'm a grandpa. I'm now a grandpa. I'm a spiritual grandpa. In a way, you understand. It's the convert of my convert. Oh man, that's thrilling. You moms and dads, will you help me for a moment? You remember the day that you first laid your eyes on your child? First time you held him in your arms? Remember the joy? Remember how exciting that was? Oh, to hold them. You never wanted to let them go. The love literally was about to explode your heart. I mean, you felt like you were going to burst. You're so happy. And then to watch that little one grow up, to, to laugh with them, play with them, smile with them, to have long conversations talking about the important things of life. For a parent, that means so much. And then to watch that young person grow up, mature, and to see them on the right path, trying to do right. I don't know if there's any words to describe how wonderful that is. And then you watch your your child, that, that little one that used to fit in your arms now, She's going to take your arm and walk down an aisle and get married to someone. And especially if they're going to marry somebody that loves God as well. And their life is pointing in the right direction. Man, wow. That's great. And then one day they call and say, Mom, Dad, have a seat. We got some big news for you. You're going to be grandparents. <laughs> Man. Brother Donovan told me while he was here, he said, Brother Flick, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing better than being a grandpa. He said, that's where all the fun's at. <laughs> he said, that's great, man. I love being a grandpa. He said, you're going to love it. I got about two months, if everything goes well. Two months. And I get to hold that little baby. I've got to see my child grow up, pointing in the right direction. And now, bearing fruit, starting her family. I know how thrilling that is within the physical, natural realm. Guys, can I tell you, it's every bit as thrilling. And on some levels, even, even more meaningful in the spiritual realm. Benzel, you recently taught us in 3 John, yes? You remember this verse? You folks remember this verse? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. No greater joy. Why? To see your converts, your spiritual children, hooked, addicted. They've addicted themselves to the gospel. They can't quit talking about Jesus every chance they get. They want someone else to know their Savior. That is where the action is at. I'm begging you today, if you're already saved, take that next step. That next step. Get hooked. Addict yourself to the gospel. Take it upon yourself to find a way to tell somebody else about your Savior. Let's all stand, if you would, please. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Caleb will play something.
softly in the background. You cannot be addicted to the ministry of the saints unless you have first tested the product. If you've never been saved, would you allow us the privilege of introducing you today to the Lord Jesus Christ? Please, would you, would you, would you come and meet him? Would you today learn how sweet it is to have all your sins washed away? To hear the voice of the Holy Spirit talking within you, saying, welcome home. We're glad to have you in the family. Now I know that many of you here today, you are saved. That's your profession. And I don't doubt it. I know a lot of you, I would say you're hooked. I don't foresee a time when when you're going to quit giving the gospel to someone in some way. But for some of you, you just haven't tried it yet. Can I invite you today to make a decision to take that next step in your Christian life? I don't know how. We'll teach you. I'm not good at this method. I'll try that method. Fine. Choose whatever method you need. But like Paul said, my prayer to God, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. It was his heart's desire. Make it your heart's desire today. You'll never regret it. People get addicted to drugs and it changes their life in the bad way. You get addicted to the gospel, it'll change your life in every good way. You'll never regret it. In just a moment, I'll pray and we'll close the service. But might I just ask today, if you're here and you're not 100% sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? No one's looking. I'm just asking so I know who to pray for. Thank you. I appreciate the honesty. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you for the honesty. If you're not sure, you can be. Jesus loves you so much. He took your place. Instead of God punishing you, He gave your punishment to His Son so that you could be saved. Now, if you will trust that what Jesus did is enough to save you, he'll come into your heart. He'll be your Savior today. Isn't that great? In a moment, I'll pray. If you raised your hand, you can also, right where you're at, you can pray. Ask the Lord Jesus to come in. Ask him to be your Savior. And for the rest of you, ask Him to give you boldness, to give you wisdom, to build your desire and your burden, to get addicted to the gospel. Father, Lord, I'm, I'm so thrilled this morning to get to tell people about your Son. What a life you've given me, Lord. I get to tell people all the time 
God, help us, help us. God, as a church, help us as individuals to be addicted to the ministry of reconciliation. Father, I want to pray especially for those hands that went up. Today, might they get in. Might they come home. Might they have all their sins washed away. Lord, whatever is stopping them from coming to you and knowing you in spirit and in truth, might, might you remove all of that today. And even now, help them, Lord, as they pray and as they call on your name. Lord, I thank you for all the wonderful years filled with joy of preaching the gospel. Help us, Lord, not to grow content with what we've done, but to keep reaching out. Give us a chance, even this week, Father, please, to share the good news with someone else. Thank you for speaking to our hearts this morning. What a good, what a good morning we've had spending time with you. Father, please bring us back tonight hungry, ready to learn some more. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.